Hello and welcome to the Pixel Swim Podcast, episode 56. I am your host, Steve Heinrich, and this is the podcast where I take a dive into my personal journey through design and technology and where they meet, plus other tidbits I find interesting. This episode is being recorded and released on Thursday, February 14th, 2019. Visit pixelswim.com for all the show notes and social links. And if you want to leave any feedback, that's where you head to. Again, that's pixelswim.com. Yeah, you can find everything on there. It's always appreciated. Any feedback, again, always appreciated. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's dive in like we usually do to our weekly notes and feedback and links. Uh, I don't think I have any links this week. Well, actually, that's not true. Either way, let's just <laughs> dive in to those. So first of all, happy Valentine's Day. If you're listening to this on Thursday, the 14th. So happy Valentine's Day to everybody out there. Gather your sweetheart round and and listen up here. Anyway, um, <laughs> moving on, let's go into the feedback from last week. So I just want to thank a bunch of people for a bunch of feedback in between this episode and the last episode. So first uh, was an, a comment on the on pixelswim.com or pixelsw.im, whatever you want to call it the website where this podcast is either way Keith Bartlett left a comment and this is regarding launchers he says he uses the stock launcher on his Nokia phones he tried Microsoft launcher but the phone didn't seem so fast when I checked on data usage an incredibly large amount was used in the background of the Microsoft launcher pity as he quite liked the look of it so yeah I've used Microsoft launcher in the past too yeah it just doesn't feel quite right not quite snappy enough for what a what I feel like a stock launcher it kind of feels like so and then also on the show notes page uh, Frank Needhart left a message <laughs> there saying that he's sorry about what Enpass did which if you listen to last episode I kind of have talked about how Enpass is uh, they kind of had a shady move of not letting any, everybody know that they were going to drop Windows 10 mobile support, which is fine that they dropped it. It's just there was no no heads up. But either way, because uh, Frank kind of suggested NPass to me back when I was looking for a password manager, and I was actually talking about it on the podcast, and I settled on NPass, and so I went kind of all in on the Android app and the Windows app, which the Windows app covered both desktop and mobile is a UWP app, but they drop support for mobile. And like I mentioned last time, it's not really the biggest deal breaker, I guess, that MPass isn't working on Windows 10 mobile anymore because I don't use those as daily drivers, those phones. And uh, and Frank says the same, that it doesn't really impact him very much, but it's more just the, the way that they went about it and the lack of backwards compatibility for those devices for people who are still going to be using them on Windows 10 mobile. It was just kind of a... I wish that there was a heads up. So, yeah, I, and and yeah, I just I said to Frank, don't don't even worry about it. Like he suggested it, he felt bad because they did this, and I can still use Mpass now. So, but I'll get into that in a little bit. Yeah, that there's no, you know, you wouldn't assume that they would do something like this. So there's no way to, of knowing. There's no possible way to, to have known that they could have done something like that. So thanks to Keith and Frank for leaving comments on the comment thread on the show notes page so uh let's move on with the feedback here just want to thank uh on miwi simon knobs left feedback 
on Android launchers. He said he's tried a bunch of them, but he always goes back to Nova. So he's a Nova launcher user and he's had it on his LG V30 and he currently has it on his Huawei Mate 20 Pro. So yeah, another Nova launcher user. It's a it's a good launcher. You know, I just never really got into got into it. I do kind of like the I think on the last PSC I the guest on there he said that he kind of likes the new experience when he gets a new device and that's kind of how i feel as well <laughs> i like whatever experience the manufacturer put for puts forward i try like to try that out so thanks simon for leaving feedback on miwi and also on miwi uh, i want to thank kyle helms as he says he uses LastPass, and he also mentioned that Lenovo has made some weird decisions with their keyboards. And I, I have to agree with what Kyle says. Yeah, that he's referring to the the fact uh, I've talked a little bit about Lenovo keyboards recently because I'm looking, well, <laughs> I'll get to this in a little bit too, but I looked at the Lenovo ThinkPad X1 Extreme and yeah, there's there's uh, usually a few weird key placements Lenovo has been doing recently. And honestly, on my current laptop, the IdeaPad 510, they made some weird choices, a couple of strange choices with the keyboard as far as placement of things. And it was kind of a concern when I purchased the laptop, but I thought I would just, you know, give it a try. And ultimately, I got used to things. But uh, one of the things they did was they put the right shift key right next to the up arrow. And it's a very small. Um, and I found that I actually don't really use the right shift key very often. But uh, so that wasn't a huge deal. One of the bigger things on it is that I had to get used to when I got this, my current laptop, is the fact that they put the home and end and also the page up and page down buttons under the function key so you have to hold the function key and then use each one of those options is on the arrow keys so it's not the biggest deal in the world but it was something to get used to because i'm used i was used to having a home key and an end key to you know that kind of sped things up especially when you're doing coding i noticed a lot that i missed (laughs) missed having that just straight up home key or end key to get to the beginning or the end of the line of text so uh, I think actually that the the X1 Extreme keyboard seems like it might actually be a little bit better than what I have now. So that's why it stayed on the top of my list. Again, I'll get to that in a little bit. But thanks to Kyle for sharing that. And also thanks to Mike Latori on Twitter. Uh, this was in regards to another tweet I put out this week I'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, but he gave a data point on LastPass, um, Password Manager. Uh, So another LastPass user here, he says, I use LastPass because the wife is mostly able to use it. There are things about it that frustrate me, but just giving the security scan, but just having the security scan, which tells me when she has reused a password has been invaluable. So yeah, I've actually, uh, and I'll get to this again in a little bit, started looking at LastPass a little closer. It's very popular. So uh, thanks to Mike for that. And uh, via email, I just want to say thanks to Frank Needhart again, who actually emailed me yesterday. And he was letting me know that the in out, on Outlook.com that their POP and IMAP, IMAP settings were working for him again. So this is one of the things that I talked about when I was switching over to all of Microsoft services that I couldn't add you know, my own server settings, or I could add my own server settings because all the settings were still there to send and receive from a certain email address, but they weren't working for me then. And so Frank says that he has he has them working in his Outlook.com 
uh, account. And so I went back in after he emailed and tried it again to see if something, you know, if, if it was actually working again. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't. But when I hit the put in all my settings and, and pressed OK, you know, to get everything loaded up, it did throw back an error. And uh, that's kind of more than was going on before. Before I was putting in all my info, hitting OK, and then the window would close and nothing would be added. So, yeah, perhaps there's some work in the background on Microsoft's part to get that back up and running. So hopefully that, that would be great. I would love love for that. So um, I've actually just kind of been, you know, starting to give people my Outlook.com address <laughs> just to kind of keep everything a little bit easier. So uh, thanks, Frank, for reaching out. And, and unfortunately, it didn't work for me, but maybe, you know, maybe in the, the future it will be. Maybe they're rolling something out right now because Frank, I believe, is over in Germany. So there, yeah, it might be a little bit, you know, might be a different test market over there. So uh, fingers crossed on that. But thanks again to everybody for all of your feedback. Uh, it's always, Like I said, it's always appreciated. Go to Pixelswim.com and there's tons of ways to get in touch. So even Google Plus before the uh, ship sinks there. <laughs> anyway. Okay, so I'm going into my next segment here that I've done for the last few weeks, couple weeks, is my LG G6 weekly report. And so, yeah, I, again, this is to keep me accountable because I'm trying to use my LG G6 through all of 2019. So each week I'm trying to find something different to talk about with the device because I want to obviously use it for a long time. So why not go over all the little nuances of it? And maybe this will even apply to some other LG phones, but I don't know. Either way, I just have one thing that I that with the LG G6 this week that I wanted to note here is that I actually found a bug that freezes the phone. And it's kind of a kind of a weird, weird uh, scenario, I guess you could say. But this is uh, regard in regards to Bluetooth and the uh, system UI. But OK, so when I pull down the notification shade and I turn on Bluetooth in like the quick settings, the on LG, there is a, a Bluetooth device connect window that pops up after you turn on Bluetooth that shows all of your recently connected Bluetooth devices or all the ones that are saved on your phone. And so that little window pops up and the, the window pops up over the notification shade being pulled down because you had just because I had just pressed the Bluetooth toggle. And so when I go to swipe the notification shade back up, it freezes the entire UI. <laughs> and I know this is for sure because actually an error message comes up that says the the system UI app is not responding. Do you want to wait or cancel it? So a couple times this has actually happened because I went through those, you know, same steps of turning on Bluetooth and then going through this. And so one time I was able to close system UI, hit select close from the error message that came up and then everything kind of reset itself and went back to normal. Uh, the second time that it happened, I tried, I couldn't, even the error message was irresponsive, so I couldn't do anything. Eventually, I had to just re reboot the phone. <laughs> so kind of a weird little bug there. I think this is probably an LG software specific bug. But yeah, so just not a not a huge deal. You know, it's a, one of those things where it, it I do run into, you know, I have run into it a couple times and noticed it, but it's uh, hopefully you know, something that can get sorted out maybe in a software update, but not a big deal. 
but yeah, that's really it for this week on the LG G6. It's been solid. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I had it in Chicago. I went in to work on the the Chicago Latino Film Festival this last Saturday, and I had my my G6 with me, of course. And I actually, but I went into the office there in Chicago at about 8 a.m. with 100% battery because I had it plugged in in the car on the way there. And so when I left at about, I would say, 5 or 6 p.m., the battery was only down to 85%, so 15% used throughout the entire almost, you know, 10-hour day. So that stuff, that was definitely a, a good thing. So, I mean, I didn't use it a ton, but still, there, you know, the battery drain was very slow. And, of course, I, you know, I did a, use it a little bit, so it wasn't like it was sitting there untouched all day, but... Either way, that's it for this week's LGG6 Weekly Report. So I'll be hopefully back again next week with that. <laughs> Trying not to buy any devices. I still keep looking on Swappa and eBay just because I can't help myself. But still sticking with this LG G6 for now. Okay, so moving on to the next thing, and I've talked a little bit about it already, is I just wanted to give an update uh, on where I am with kind of my password manager, my password management apps, and what I'm going to do with that, because I'm currently I'm still using NPass, and last week I talked a lot about what they did and about you know how they dropped support for Windows 10 Mobile, and I've already talked today about it a couple times, So, uh, but they actually did put out a statement right before I sat down to record this. And so it says, this is a, the official NPASS statement on Windows 10 Mobile. And it basically is, <laughs> I mean, you've, if you've seen the, a tweet, and it's just a tweet by NPASS, the official NPASS app, uh, Twitter account. And if you've seen those uh, tweets where people type stuff out in their notepad and then just tweet a picture of it. That's kind of what this is a little bit. So very official by NPASS to put this out. And it says, NPASS says, in the last few days, there have been a few questions and some rants too. <laughs> anyway, I, I added the ha ha ha, but either way, about NPASS giving up on Windows 10 Mobile. Throughout our journey, NPASS has not just supported the Windows platform as it evolved, but was also recognized as one of the finest offerings on the platform. As we built MPAS 6 from, from, the, from the scratch with a new architecture, developing a new app for Windows 10 Mobile didn't seem like a good investment of time and resources. Microsoft, too, recently urged Windows 10 Mobile users to move to a supported Android or iOS device. And then they link to Microsoft's article. It says, since it's reaching its end of support, it's not feasible to actively develop for a suspended, unsupported platform, more so for a security-centric app. We know this has annoyed a few Windows 10 mobile loyalists out there. And then in uh, parentheses, they put, we've got one in our team as well, still rocking a Lumia 950. But we had to pull the plug because we were left with no choice. Also, Windows was in constant, was in was in constant state of evolution, and rest assured we keep a tab on all the rumors and developer tidbits we gather so that they so that we are ready for the next pivot that the platform takes. That said, MPAS 5 continues to work on Windows 10 mobile devices. However, since a user's database on NPAS 5 is incompatible with that on NPAS 6 because of the new architecture, you won't be able to sync across other devices. 
If you need any help regarding this, drop us a line at support at empass.io. And yeah, I'm glad they put out a statement for that. This um, that's that's the statement. Uh, like I said, I'm glad they put out a statement, but I kind of misses the mark of that they didn't warn anybody about it. And I actually did dig into not even very deep into Enpass's blog and found a post from 2017 about how they were literally the post was about how they were dropping support for BlackBerry, which okay, uh, a simple heads up honestly, in my opinion, would have been all that they needed to do in this situation would have avoided all of this because everybody on Windows 10 mobile knows that it is going out the door. You know, it's it's ending and everybody knows that. And it's but it's not hasn't ended yet. And yeah, you should start making the move. But really, all MPAS had to do was let everybody know on Windows 10 mobile that this is what's coming instead of just and I, I kind of put this on Twitter, but charging on to version six without even mentioning that they're dropping support. Uh, not not a very good uh, strategy there. They really all they had to do was write up a short blog post. Hey, with all of this that they just typed out in this in this tweet, uh, or at least this image in the tweet. So, yeah, thanks and pass for posting this, but kind of misses the point of why I think why people were upset people like I think people understand that you have to drop support you can't continue to support it because it's you know the platform is is on its way out but you got to just let people know before you drop that support so they can figure some stuff out if they if they want to stick with Windows 10 mobile you know they're not people aren't just I don't know (laughs) it was just still a bad move overall by NPASS and it could have there was a simple fix for it and it really just kind of broke my trust with them but with all that said, I'm still using Enpass now because it's not like it's not working on most of the platforms. Uh, but I am starting to look at a lot of applications that are built around KeePass. I've mentioned KeePass in the past. It's more it's the open source sort of password management or secure database. And so, yeah, I've been looking at a lot of different applications built that are around that because there's a lot of options out there, some that are good, some that are not so good. But with that said, uh, looking into KeePass, I've also looked and actually signed up for a LastPass trial on LastPass's website. They are, you know, obviously I've got received feedback from people that they're using it. I know it's a very popular password management app, and it is a little bit different in the way that they keep everything on their their servers. So it's and it's not like a database file that you control where it goes so it is different and kind of why I didn't go with it in the first place but I did there are definitely advantages of it and Mike Latori got to, to a little bit of one of those and it's the potential that I could share the account between my wife and I and we can keep all our passwords in one place and you know keep tabs on everything there so I do and I also do like that it is LogMeIn is the parent company because I've used LogMeIn quite a bit in the, you know, over the years. Uh, they've, you know, they've got a nice free remote desktop app that I've used for, you know, different occasions and it's come in really handy. I think they're really good. They build really good software. So I don't see LastPass being, you know, any different as far as how good it, it is and how, how well it works. So and the price of it is actually pretty good, too. With NPass, obviously, I paid $10 per platform, so I paid 20 because I have it on Android and Windows, although the new Windows app is uh, kind of 
starting to request more <laughs> more money for other premium features, which I wasn't expecting. But either way, LastPass, their prices are actually pretty good. For an individual user, it's $3 a month or $36 a year. For a family, which is up to six users, it's $4 a month or $48 a year. So that would probably be the one I go with for my wife and I, which is uh, pretty, you know, 48 bucks for a year. It's not bad. And it is actually still supported. LastPass is still supported on Windows 10 Mobile. Uh, I checked it out. It is, it, there is a, but it is a uh, Windows Phone 8.1 style app. So, but it does work on Windows 10 Mobile. So there is still that option there. Uh, I'm again, I'm still, I'm still kind of hesitant a little bit about LastPass because everything gets stored on their servers, but I'm digging more into it and just going through the trial and, and seeing, you know, I'm not putting everything in there yet. I'm just kind of checking it out. And I, I signed up for it and I looked into it a little bit uh, a few days ago, but I'm still I haven't really gotten a chance to go back in and and try it out some more. So I'm still not sure. I think I still may go back to KeyPass and get everything loaded in there at the very least. And that way I don't have to worry too much about everything that's in NPass, you know, uh, that I can have everything in that open source database. So. And actually, this week, too, I tweeted, I, I sent out a tweet about this uh, password book that I found. It's like a little pocket book uh, that's specifically for passwords. I was at a CVS pharmacy over here and, you know, in the, the, the office supply section and they had this little password book. And I honestly, when I first saw it, I thought it was, you know, why would you do this? But it's actually not the worst. <laughs> Apparently, it's not the worst idea in the world. Uh, to have a password book like that. And I'm thinking, you know, if you're carrying it around, it might not be the best idea. You know, dropping it <laughs> means that it, you don't need to be a hacker to to hack into this little password book. So that's probably the one major caveat of it. But other than that, I don't, you know, I was, it, it doesn't, it's not the worst idea in the world. And actually, I want to thank Kyle Helms again for, he shared an article with me uh, from a guy named Troy Hunt, who wrote an article called called Password Managers Don't Have to Be Perfect. They just have to be better than not having one. Yeah, basically kind of stating that having one of these books isn't the worst idea in the world because you actually have everything down. And that and he talks a lot of, in the article about trying to remember something is not a good way to go about things, to simply try and remember all your passwords or you can't, and the brain doesn't really randomize very well. But I'll read a short paragraph that I think kind of relates heavily well heavily it relates to this book that i posted on on twitter he says but let's actually use some common sense for a bit we all know people for whom LastPass, one password and all the other ones pose insurmountable usability barriers they might be elderly or technically illiterate or just not bought in enough to the whole password manager value proposition to make it happen they're doing the memory thing and failing badly at it, but then you give them the password book. They write down sites and passwords because, hey, it's a pen and paper. This is something that they understand well. Then they put their unencrypted plain text passwords in a drawer. Their quote-unquote threat factors are anyone who can access that drawer right off the bat. That's a significantly smaller number of people 
that what can take a shot at logging in onto online services using the usually poor thought out passwords people have. So yeah, he that's I thought that was that kind of summed up the idea that these password books aren't the worst idea in the world. Perhaps for some users, they might even be a better idea because they can actually wrap their head around it. So thanks again, Kyle, for sharing that article. And that's kind of where I am with my password manager. Like I said, I'm looking potentially just to get go get everything into KeyPass and maybe go from there. Maybe keep testing out LastPass and and see how things go. But but yeah, that is those are my my big notes for this week. And I, I actually have a couple of main topics here. So let's just dive into those. Why not just keep going? <laughs> so this week has actually been a very big week as far as tech purchases go. So this is probably my biggest week maybe ever <laughs> with tech purchases. But either way, and this first one won't be a surprise. Uh, both of them won't be a surprise either, really. But uh, I ordered and received the white silver version of the Sony Xperia XZ1 Compact for my wife. So yeah, this is the the Sony Xperia phone that I was talking about getting her because she wants a small form factor, but we wanted to get a flagship, you know, spec'd out device that in a smaller form factor. And really, this is one of the few and maybe only options with fairly modern specs. So and just to kind of summarize the specs in the XZ1 Compact, it is has a 4.6 inch screen, which is the huge selling point. It is just a 720p display. But it is it has 32 gigabytes of onboard storage. It has a 19 megapixel camera, four gigabytes of RAM with a Snapdragon 835 and a 2700 milliamp hour battery. So that's kind of the the quick overview of the specs for that XE1 compact. So it is when I got it in this week or I think late last week. Uh, it was, it's not as small as I thought it was going to be. So, and it's not to say that it isn't small. It's still small, uh, but it is a little bit thicker than I, you know, some other devices you might have. So it doesn't feel quite as small as you might think in the hand. But it's still a very small device. So uh, that was just kind of a first first impressions thing. Next to my wife's LG Q6, it's not necessarily a ton smaller, but. I think overall the impact of the size of it is going to, you know, it's going to take time to kind of realize that, yeah, this, you know, fits in a lot of, a lot of, a lot more places. So either way, we got the ring key case in for it as well. I think it's like the ring key fusion. It's a nice, it's a nice fitting case and it does have the port covers on it that I mentioned that, uh, the same ones as that, that I had on that LG G6 ring key case or that I have, that I still have, I'm still using the cruiser light case. But either way, we got that case in and also on this this Xperia XZ1 compact. And I just said Z, <laughs> but either way, uh, it is the model number. It is the G8441 uh, and then the other model number or whatever you want to call is 1310-5858. So that's the it's clearly a North American variant of the firmware. But it does not have the fingerprint settings in the set or the fingerprint options in the settings in the firmware. So there is that it is kind of a strange thing that with these uh, X XZ ones in the in the compacts in the United States, 
where they the firmware doesn't have support for the fingerprint scanner, which is kind of strange. And yeah, I'm going to look into that because I think I think that there are ways around that. I don't know. Uh, I, you know, I kind of talked to my wife like, and she's, you know, doesn't necessarily want to <laughs> necessarily use the the fingerprint scanner, but it's just something that I'm going to kind of look into. So I've been kind of getting it set up. She has isn't using it yet. She's still using her other phone. Uh, we've both been pretty busy, so uh, I've slowly been getting everything set up and installed, you know, over the last week and then hopefully do a big old transfer of everything this weekend, potentially. So so she can start using that to to see how she gets on with it. But there were a lot of system updates when I when I turned it on. It clearly had never been turned on before. I think it was on it was on Oreo. Uh, but now with all of the, I I, I want to say there was like five or six system updates uh, or something along that line. But either way, it's on Android Pie now, which is more up to date than any device that I ha- currently have. And it has the December 2018 security update. So that's not necessarily being up to date, but it's pretty close. But uh, like I said, hopefully I'll have more to talk about on that device once we get everything set up on it with her you know, her SIM card, her SD card. Uh, this should be interesting to, I believe I moved her SD card from one one phone to another previously. She has that 128 gigabyte SD card and hopefully that will, will work <laughs> once I stick it in the XC1. So uh, compact, I keep forgetting to say compact. It's the compact version, but Either way, that was kind of a big purchase uh, for, you know, my wife only gets a phone every once in a while. And so that probably is the best phone that she's had to date. So I'm looking forward to getting that set up for her and so she can, you know, stop having to deal with the lag because <laughs> there's actually quite a bit of lag on that Q6. The Snapdragon 400 series processor does not run super well on Android 8, the Oreo update that it recently got. So Kind of a, you know, kind of disappointing in that way, but I'm pretty sure there might also be a bunch of clunk and clutter on there as well that are plugging things up a little bit. But either way, uh, hopefully get that set up this weekend and get it out the door, (laughs) I guess you could say. Okay, so that XZ1 was the first big purchase this week, but it pales in comparison to my next one. And I kind of, I don't know how much I alluded to it earlier, but. I actually ordered the Lenovo ThinkPad X1 Extreme from eBay. <laughs> so yeah, I, I decided to purchase the X1 Extreme, and this was something that I was planning on doing in the spring, and it's been at the top, The that X1 has been at the top of my list for a little while now. And so what happened was I was, you know, checking it out on Lenovo's, Lenovo.com, their website, the this X1 Extreme. And, you know, there's a model that I wanted to purchase. And actually, when I was looking at it initially, it was about the the specific model that I wanted was about twenty eight hundred dollars. <laughs> so very ex- expensive, but obviously very specked out. But l- let me um, let me read the specs of the one that I got. And I did get it on eBay and I'll go over a little bit more about that in a second. But this uh, XPad, XPad, man, I think I did that last time. Lenovo X1 Extreme 
has the 8th generation Core i7-8850H 6-core processor at 2.6 gigahertz, max turbo 4.2 gigahertz. Uh, max turbo is 4.2 gigahertz with 9 mega megabytes of cache. It is a it has the 15.6 inch HDR 4K uh, screen with Dolby Vision, anti-glare, LED backlight, IPS, multi-touch, anti-reflection. So it is a glossy touch display, which might be the one thing that I'm, you know, hoping isn't too reflective, but does also have a 400 nits of brightness. So we shall see how that works out, because the the current screen on my my Lenovo IdeaPad 510 has the like a matte display, which I actually really like because of it does not reflect light when I don't have to stare at myself <laughs> while I'm on the computer. But either way, it also comes with 32 gigabytes of DDR4 RAM, which is a lovely and insane amount of RAM. And I can, I'm looking forward to that maybe the most out of everything <laughs> because of the, the work that I've been doing lately. I can definitely take advantage of that. And it is actually upgradable to 64 gigabytes of RAM. Uh, it has a one terabyte solid state drive. It is the a PCIe NVMe drive. And there's actually another slot that's open for another one of these drives in there that I think I'm going to take advantage of in the future. And it has the, as far as a graphics card, it has the NVIDIA GeForce GTX 1050 Ti, which has four gigabytes of its own RAM in it. And so it also comes with a backlit keyboard, a fingerprint reader, a 720p uh, camera webcam which has also has a shutter over it or they call it the think shutter where basically it's a little little shutter that you can switch over the webcam so instead of having to like tape your webcam <laughs> for security purposes it actually has a little little shutter that you can you can slide over it which is kind of cool but it has a four cell lithium polymer 80 watt hour battery and it comes with Windows 10 Professional 64-bit installed. So those are the huge specs on this X1. But I found it on eBay for the this exact model that I saw on Lenovo's website, which was originally $2,800, but now is on sale for $2,361 on Lenovo's website currently. And on eBay... It, now, granted, this is refurbished. It is it was twenty one forty nine, so two thousand one hundred forty nine dollars. And basically, I was trying to because <laughs> when I found it, the price obviously was twenty eight hundred on Lenovo and then you know, about seven hundred dollars less on eBay. So I was like, oh, my God, I got to You know, I got to buy, buy, buy. But I, you know, obviously held off. I looked through the listing and made sure, you know, that this was going to be, uh, you know, going to be what I wanted and it wasn't going to be some dud or something you know that was coming my way so the the seller that was selling it did they you know buy these laptops directly from Lenovo and manu they, you know they manufacture refurbish them so they're basically the way they describe it is like new to the end to Lenovo they are actually very much treated as new because this one actually still has a warranty on it and the part of the here okay so essentially there was a bunch of reasons that uh i had to kind of build a list to help me pull the trigger on actually buying this especially you know buying it early the earlier than i had anticipated um, obviously the price was a huge one 
uh, like I had mentioned, it was, you know, a lot cheaper to to get this PC. But one of the other big things about this specific listing uh, was that, it, you know, the, the refurbished thing, I, I kind of I've, I've, I've purchased refurbished uh, computers in the past. Actually, the first laptop that I got, well, not the very first, but a few years ago when I bought a laptop for about two hundred nineteen dollars, <laughs> it was a I believe it was an Asus computer, uh, very cheap laptop. Um, it was a refurbished one and I had zero issues with it. I've had zero issues with any refurb stuff, uh, especially manufactured refurbished. And the, clearly the seller, you know, works directly with Lenovo to purchase up all of the, the, you know, the, the stock that Lenovo gets back in from returns and changed minds and all of that stuff. So one of the big things on this specific listing was that it had a two-year on-site warranty still from Lenovo themselves. So essentially, the laptop on Lenovo.com that I would have purchased the exact same model had comes with a one-year warranty. And I don't believe it's even on-site. I, I actually had to look up what on-site warranty was, and that, that's where they actually come to you and fix the computer instead of having to send it in to be fixed which is pretty cool. Yeah, so this uh, there was actually another version on eBay of the same seller was selling the exact same model with a one-year warranty, one-year on-site warranty uh, for $100 less. So that was $2049 instead of $21. So I, I decided to go with the two-year on-site warranty version for $100 more just to cover my bases. You know, why not? Why not? If I'm, I'm planning on trying to keep this computer for four years. That's that's my plan. At the very least, four years. I mean, this thing is you you heard the specs that I read out. It's it's pretty specked out. So hopefully that, you know, in a even in four years, I'm I, you know, if I keep the configuration as it is, I can still make upgrades to it. You know, there's there's still the the option if there are 32 gigabyte modules for the DDR4 RAM that come out, I can upgrade that. You know, I can double the RAM, I can double the hard drive space. And I mean, that's kind of it. But <laughs> either way, those things are, are nice to be able to to upgrade to make the computer last even longer. But yeah, so I got that two year warranty version. Uh, another thing that helped me to kind of make the purchase now is that they the seller offers uh, 30 day free returns. So essentially, I can try this thing out and return it for free within 30 days. Uh, and this especially, you know, considering it's manufacturer refurbished and not, you know, brand new from the manufacturer is a good thing because obviously if I get a dud, it's, you know, it's easy to just send it back. They, you know, you can print out, they'll send you a label via email and I'll just print it out and send it back and get my money back or exchange it, you know, that kind of thing. So the risk isn't as high, you know, I'm not stuck with this thing if it doesn't work out, you know, for some reason. So it's not like this is coming from a, you know, uh, an independent person, you know, who's just selling this old laptop that they had in their storage, you know, so that doesn't offer any returns and has, you know, 100 points of feedback on their profile. So this is a, you know, pretty re- legit listing. So I, you know, I dug through to make sure that they weren't, you know, they're not putting one on anybody. Uh, and then obviously getting a manufacturer refurbished means that it is going to be offered at a discount. So 
anyway, uh, the last thing that kind of I have to I had to convince. I mean, obviously, you know, this is probably the most expensive computer that I've ever purchased. And so I it took a lot of convincing of myself to actually cave in and, and purchase it. And so one of the biggest reasons I, I ultimately decided was that this is the main tool that I use every single day, all day, every day. And that, that, you know, I've over the years I've purchased, I've under purchased when it's when it comes to computers and basically haven't had the the opportunity to purchase a computer that's completely specced out like this. Um, and I know that this isn't necessarily like the most specced out computer, but for me, this this is this is super specced out. And so when it came this time around, it was because I, I want to upgrade this PC. It's it's one of those. I just I want this to be the last upgrade for a while. And I, I kind of, you know, I can justify buying a top of the line PC like this because I use it like constantly. You know, it's like it's the biggest part of my tool set in my career and in my in my life. And so that's really really that's what it came down to was you it's not like you're not going to use it you know it's it's not a waste at all to spend this kind of money on something like this because of the return on investment of it so that's really and you know my wife of course encouraged me to just do it you know like what are we waiting for kind of a thing and because I I talked about getting it in the spring and you know, looking on eBay, getting a huge discount on a what it potentially could be. It's practically new. Uh, you know, let's take advantage of the deal now. And so I did. And so that is actually as I record this, it is on the FedEx delivery truck to be delivered today. So if there's a huge crash and a bang, that's me running to the door <laughs> to, to get the uh, FedEx package and and, you know, pretend and pretend that it's Christmas Day because this is going to be hopefully it'll be a really nice just I, I really just am looking forward to it I really am it's but you know it's been a long time coming that I got a PC like this like I said I've kind of undersold myself over the years on these deals for these computers and they've been you know they've gotten me through you know but I want <laughs> ultimately at this point um, and where I am I wanted just something that was a true true upgrade where it's going to be a while before something entices me you know to to upgrade again and yeah hopefully this x1 extreme will will be that and i'm not you know as far as the graphics card goes i'm not a gamer but there are a lot of programs that i use that like uh, photoshop and video rendering and and a lot of different things that are using that gpu and so you know, all of this, uh, this PC is justified in my mind. It's just, you know, it's a little bit of sticker shock for me because I'm not used to spending this much on tech. But yeah, like I said, a big tech week. We got that XZ1 and this Lenovo X1 Extreme coming. So we shall see. <laughs> we shall see how it goes. Oh, and I did with the X1 Extreme, I actually ordered a Lenovo wireless mouse for it as well off of eBay. I got the, it is a wireless laser mouse with, uh, it has two batteries, two AA batteries in it. 
and it, it has a two-year battery life <laughs> on it. So it's supposed to be really nice and, and easy to, to use. My wife actually, for where she's currently working uh, or interning at, she has a ThinkPad that she brings home with her, and there's a wireless mouse that I was, uh, Lenovo wire, wireless mouse that I was able to test out on my PC, and it's such an easy experience. You know, I've actually, my kind of my, uh, I don't want to say philosophy necessarily, but I've always used a wired mouse because I didn't want to use a use a something that re- required a battery, you know, something else to worry about being charged. But the battery life on these, as long as you turn them off, because there's a little switch on the bottom, as long as you turn them off at the end of the day, you're usually you're going to be good to go for a while. So, yeah, I decided to do that. I mean, I'm using a Lenovo wired USB optical mouse right now that I actually got at the Goodwill <laughs> for about a dollar and it, it works well. It clearly came from an office because there was a bunch of bunch of them in a box at a Goodwill. And so I it yeah, it's it's worked well, but the the cord is getting a little cumbersome because I am going into work more often lately. So it's it'd be nice to to have one less cord to worry about there and not have to worry about the battery life on the mouse either. But yeah, so I got that coming in. So hopefully my whole experience will be completely upgraded once I get everything set up and going. So and I'll just plug again that I'm going to use that Ninite site uh, to install a bunch of stuff at once. (laughs) I am not sponsored by anybody, but I will never stop suggesting that site for setting up a new PC. But either way, that was the huge tech week for me as far as purchases go. Probably the most I've spent on tech in a long maybe ever. So I, of course, I have to mention it on here. And I'm grateful to even have the opportunity to purchase that stuff. And I'm just uh, I'm really looking forward to it. And of course, of course, I will report back on my usage for it. So yeah, those are kind of my main things this week. Okay, let's wrap things up here. <laughs> I think I've jabbered on long enough. I think I've gone over my time actually for this week. But Either way, thank you for tuning in to episode 56 of the Pixel Swim podcast. Again, you can go to pixelswim.com if you want to leave feedback. I'm, like I always say, it's always appreciated. I always enjoy the the feedback that I get and the conversations that get started uh, because of this the podcast and all of the you know, just happy to respond to everything on social media. I will respond. (laughs) There's not so many that I won't respond. So I always appreciate everybody who reaches out and everybody's data points that they give me after, you know, an episode. So uh, yeah, again, pixelswim.com for all of that. So yeah, tune in next week. Hopefully I'll have uh, some info on that X1 Extreme and we'll be able to maybe gab about it a little bit. So (laughs) Here's to hoping, but either way, have a great afternoon or evening or Valentine's dinner or Valentine's lunch or, hey, Valentine's breakfast, although I don't think that's possible because I'm pretty sure it's gone for everybody when this episode comes out. I don't think anybody could be having a Valentine's breakfast, but well, maybe you could eat breakfast food, I guess, for another meal, but either way, <laughs> have a great whatever time it is when you're listening to this. So thanks again and God speed.